Well, good morning, 360 family. We thank you again for joining us online, whether you're here in the city, uh, you're somewhere in the U.S. or somewhere around the world. We're so glad as we, we worship this morning that all the earth will praise his name, and that includes you and me wherever we are, and thank you for, uh, for joining us. Today, we are going to get into the time of our, and the word of God, and I uh, am going to be speaking today about a topic that I know affects every single person that is listening and watching. And I know this because not only am I a human being, but you see it throughout the entire Bible. And this, this topic today is on conflict. Uh, as we continue in this conversation about picture in picture, conflict uh, uh, between two people is one of those things that can really reduce the size of our picture, and we lose sight not only of the big picture, but sometimes we waste the big picture, and that's what we're going to see today. I'm sure that you've had those arguments, maybe if you're married between you and your spouse, and uh, two days later, you can't even remember what the argument was about. It seems so small. Conflict is that way. There's a couple of things I want to say about conflict before we, we get going, because we all have relationships that sometimes come to an end. It doesn't necessarily mean there's conflict involved. Sometimes the, a relationship just continues to, to move forward and, and you lose track of people. Sometimes there's a lack of mutuality in a relationship. So relationships can move on uh, between friends. That, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a, a conflicted issue. Sometimes in, in a relationship, you're trying, you're trying, you're trying, you're trying to resolve something, but the other person doesn't seem like they're willing to, and so it lacks a sense of mutuality in trying to resolve those things, and you can't help that. I say that because I don't want you to walk away feeling guilty, like that perhaps you haven't kept up with every friendship and relationship in your life. I haven't either. Sometimes it's distance. Sometimes it's a lack of mutuality. Sometimes the, the, these things could, certain things couldn't be worked out. So we, we get that. What I'm referring to in, uh, today in conflict, as we look into the Word of God, is that, that, that angst, that, that tension on the inside where you're feeling this anger toward a person and it's unresolved. And all of a sudden, our thoughts, again, they're reduced to very small thinking. There are two truths that are going to frame today with us, uh, for us, in the Word of God that I think are very important in relationship to picture in picture. You see, if you're just tuning in to this concept of picture-in-picture, picture, we've been talking about it now for four or five weeks, there is a larger story that God is always calling us to be. All of us have a small story. Uh, we, this is our everyday life. This is the, the life that we live in our schedules, our works, our home, our family, all those things. But then God has this larger picture, this larger purpose. Ephesians chapter 2 says that we were created in Christ Jesus uh, to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for us to do. He already had a plan. Psalm 139 points out that God has known our days even before we took a breath, that they're ordained before we even walk them out. And so God has this larger picture. So we've been looking at this topic because we want to be aware of the things that cause us to miss that picture or waste the time in this, this smaller picture that, that we would waste the bigger picture energy, the waste the bigger picture purpose. And so as we look at conflict today, there are two things as we frame. We're going to be, by the way, 
in Genesis chapter three, uh, 31 and 32. Before we get there, we're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3. And I want to frame two principles that, that are important for us to know when it comes to conflict in relationship to our everyday life compared to this larger story. First of all, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3, this is what we read. Paul is saying to the Corinthians, you're still worldly. You're still grounded. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? In other words, you're acting in a small picture way, in a mindset. Then also, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 14, Paul again, the writer of this, says, keep reminding uh, them of these things. He's talking about people that are, again, arguing and conflicted. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. So these two truths are very important. Number one, conflict that's ongoing grounds us. Paul was saying, you're acting like mere men. You're acting, if he were uh, in the context of this conversation, he'd say, you're acting, your mindset is in this small picture. You're not thinking big enough. It's grounding you. It, the gravitation of the conflict is reducing you. And the second thing is it's a waste. It's a waste of time. So I thought it would be good for us to, re to remind ourselves this morning of what a waste it is to be in conflict with, with another person. And again, that, that angular uh, tension that, that is inside us, that grinds us. Maybe as we're quarantined with each other for so long, for some of you, this is a very, very important conversation. But on a serious note, sometimes there, that tension of conflict it's, it's as if it holds us prisoner. There might be someone today, maybe it's you, that needs to be released of the prison of conflict, that it is wasting your life, it's wasting your time, it's wasting a lot of things. And so now we're going to turn to the book of Genesis in chapter 31. Before we get there, let me explain a little bit of the setting. We're going to be looking today at the, the man Jacob. Now, Jacob was a, a central figure, not only in the book of Genesis, but he's referred to over and over. Undoubtedly, when Jacob was born, God had a larger, bigger picture for Jacob. He had this, this, uh, this purpose, this meaning for, for him, as you will see, very central figure. When Jacob was born, his name was given, and that, that name is not a positive name. It, it means a little bit of a, a, a different mix, but it means a, a grabber, a, a, someone that is a, trying to us, usurp uh, someone's authority, always trying to get on top of someone. Uh, some people say uh, the name means cheater, but it all comes down to this, the fact that his character, the name of, that he was given, it really means someone who's trying to take advantage of someone else, someone who's trying to get on top and stay on top and fight to be number one. And, and, and this was the character of Jacob as he grew up. There came a point in his life where he cheated his brother. He wanted to be on top. He was living out his identity. He was living out his name, and he wanted to be on top, and he cheated his brother Esau. 
This angered Esau so much because it was the inheritance that he cheated Esau out of. And it, it angered Esau so much that he got to the point, this conflict, this tension inside Esau, it grew to the point that he wanted to kill Jacob. It got that bad. So Jacob uh, went to his family, and, and the family said uh, to him, hey, you know, you're in big trouble. You, you crossed the line. You need to get out of here. And so Jacob fled. He went into a, a, a land called Haran. And so we're going to begin the story then in G uh, Genesis chapter 31 and verse 3. And so as he was away in this land, God began to speak to him after a number of years. In Genesis chapter 31, verse 3, here's what we read. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers. That was, by the way, the promised land. And to your relatives, and I will be with you. See, here's the deal. God had a purpose for him. God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for me. And this was intercepting that purpose. It was interrupting that purpose. The small circle tension, the small picture tension was getting in the way of the big purpose uh, that God had for Jacob's life. And so God wasn't just going to allow it to, to stay where it was. He said, you've got to get back to the promised land. Well, you might remember, if you know the Bible story, that Jacob's grandfather was Abraham. And it took a lot for Abraham to, to find this promised land that God had, had given to him and given to the, the God's people at the time, the nation of Israel. And Jacob was about to blow that. In other words, he was, in the, he was born in the promised land, and yet he went to this, this place called Haran. And I, today I brought a map to, to show you. I want you to take a look at this map. What it shows is this big boomerang effect that, that Jacob was in the midst of, uh, you see it on the lower end of the screen, this is where Jacob began, and then he goes all the way up to this place called Haran, and that's where Abraham came through to get to the promised land in the first place, and then after a number of years, which we're going to look at, he came all the way back to where he started. Now, when you look at the word Haran, the, the, that name, because the names in the Bible mean something, that name means parched, thirsty, dry. And this is where we are at times when, when uh, we're, we're supposed to be on God's purpose, we're supposed to be on mission, and all of a sudden something's getting in the way, and like, man, this is, there's something wrong internally. It's not only the conflict that he had with Esau, it's the conflict that he had with God. You see, the book of John is very clear that we cannot say we love God and not love our, our, our brothers, our friends, our neighbors, our relatives, whoever that might be. In other words, when we're conflicted this way horizontally, the Bible is very clear that we are conflicted vertically with God. And that was the story of Jacob. Now watch the things that were wasted. So Jacob goes into this land of Haran. He uh, is led to his uncle, Laban. And Laban had uh, a daughter, and he wanted to marry uh, uh, this daughter. And a long story short, it's a very long story, but at one point in time, I'm skipping all over those details, at one point in time, it was time for uh, God to speak to Jacob and said, you need to get home. Let's get back on mission. Let's get back in the bigger story. And so Jacob was leaving. He didn't even say goodbye to Laban because he thought he was being cheated. Well, there it is again. 
What goes around comes around. He's now got conflict with Esau. He's got conflict with his uncle. He's got conflict with his family. He was living out this identity that he had, he had uh, embraced. And so he, God said, let me speak to you about that. So he left, and he was, he was uh, caught up to, Laban caught up to him, and he said, hey, what, what's going on? Why did you leave? You got, you got my family with you. You got all these, uh, the herds and the goats and all that, and you've left, and there's nothing, uh, there's nothing said on the way out. Just think about that. And so he catches up to them, but he reveals something. Watch this. Je- uh, uh, um, Jacob answers back to him in Genesis chapter 31. And verse 40, he says, now let me tell you why I left, Laban. This, is my, this was my situation. Every day, the heat consumed me in the daytime and the cold at night. It wasn't easy. And sleep fled from my eyes. In other words, I had many sleepless nights. It was like this for 20 years I was in your household. Now think about that for a second. 20 years he was, Jacob was away from his family, away from the mission of God, away from what God had purposed for him to do for 20 years. Just think about it. This is 2020. Think about 2040. And all of those days were wasted. We're not accomplishing what God wanted to accomplish. He was away from the promised land. He was way away from the promised mission for 20 years. Listen, you know as well as I do. Have you ever been in a in a uh, in a, uh, a spat with your with your spouse? No, I know I haven't. Right, we all have. But when you get in the spat, and then you you after you've made up and everything's okay, don't you look back and you think, well, that was a waste of our day off. That was a waste of a weekend. That was a waste of an hour. Ever how long the spat went, and it just seems like conflict is a huge waste of time. Can I remind us of something this morning? That God is all about relationships. And so when we're in conflict with someone, there is so much wasted time during that conflict. It's stunning what a waste that is. Here's a second thing that's a waste, and maybe the biggest waste. We return to Genesis chapter 32. Now, now, uh, uh, Jacob is being... uh, navigated by God to not go, not only go back to his family, but to mend the fence with the brother, Esau, that had intended to kill him. After all this time, after all this space, there's been no letter writing, there's been no communication, and guess what happens when there's separation between two people? The film starts to play in our mind, doesn't it? And man, when that film starts to play, it is a huge waste. Genesis chapter 32 and verse 6. He's left Laban. He's going to meet Esau here. And so he sends out messengers. Jacob sends out messengers to kind of scope out how's Esau doing. And here's the report. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they were doing a a little bit of a spy game on on, uh, Esau just to check it out. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said to him, we went to your brother Esau, and now he's coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided his family, his people, 
who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and the herds and the camels as well. He thought to himself, if Esau comes and attacks one group, well, at least I got the other half, the, the group that is left can escape. Now, just think about this for a second. All of this time, in year one, in year two, three, five, 10, 15, 17, 18, 19, 20 years, this conflict had been going on in his head over and over and over and over. I wonder if Esau's still mad. Maybe I should write him. No, I guess I'm not. He hasn't written me, so I'm not going to do it. You know how it goes in your mind. I bet he wanted to kill me. I wonder how he was going to kill me. He's probably going to drown me. He's going to run me over with a bunch of uh, horses. Or who knows? That film just starts going, and all of a sudden, it expands not only was it a waste of time for him to be away, it was a waste of mental space. How often we see in that scripture, it says, he thought if Esau comes, at least you know, maybe he's going to wipe out one group, but at least this other group. See, he's thinking. When we're in conflict, there is so much mental real estate that is required and so much mental space that is wasted. Do you remember in the book of Genesis, Cain and Abel? You remember that Cain felt ripped off just like Jacob, or just like Esau felt ripped off, and then Jacob felt ripped off and started thinking in his head, and God said, look, I can tell you're angry. Look, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 5, Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. You know why his face was downcast? Because his mind was cluttered. His mind was thinking. The more he thought about it, it just made him grumpier and grumpier and grumpier. And that is the way it happened. Same thing in the Old Testament. Joseph, remember his brothers threw him into, uh, gave him away to slavery, and he got landed in a prison. And every day of their life, these brothers were thinking, man, we really, we really did something wrong to Joseph. And so finally, when they came together, and, and at the very end of the story, and Joseph said, I forgive you guys. They couldn't believe it because their mental space was cluttered. Jacob wasted 20 years of time off the mission of God, and he wasted an awful lot of mental space. I'm not going to move on until I make this personal for you and me. I've wasted a lot of mental space in my life where I could have been thinking about things above. I could have been thinking of bigger picture stuff. And man, when that conflict is coming and you're thinking and the film is playing, you can almost feel, even right now, you can almost feel the bigger purpose of God getting reduced, diminished, miniaturized because we're so consumed. You see, the big picture of God often gets tackled by the smaller thoughts that we have. Isn't it? It's almost like the rock that David threw that killed this gigantic uh, Goliath. That these little thoughts that we have that just consume us can slay God's plan in our life. He wasted time. He wasted space. Watch this. He wasted other people. In Genesis chapter 32 and verse 7, in great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into groups. And the flocks and herds and came as well. He thought if Esau attacks one group, that group is left, the other group is left, they may escape. Isn't it funny that Jacob's getting ready to throw half the whole uh, village under the bus? So he's traveling back and he's like, well, you know, I'll stay behind. And uh, these other guys can get thrown under the bus. 
I rarely know anyone in conflict who keeps it to themselves. The film starts playing in the mind, but then that, that film that's running somehow causes our mouth to run, that we feel better if we can bring other people into conflict and then they get run under the bus. How do people get run under the bus? Here's how it works. Here's, here's how conflict kind of folds out. There are times when I say to another person, you know, that, that, guy, that other guy really just, just hacked me off and there's this tension going on and then somehow I ultimately resolve it with the person in conflict, but quite often it doesn't, that message that, hey, I got everything worked out, go back to the other person. So now they're carrying, they're carrying this, I've heard people call it borrowed offense. In other words, I, the offense is over here with this other person, but now they're borrowing it from me. And they're carrying that now and they're carrying that weight. They have no idea, I got it resolved and this is exactly what happened with Jacob. He wasted time, he wasted mental space, and he wasted the relationship. Think about mom and dad back at the camp. You think they were happy that they hadn't seen their son for 20 years? That they had not seen the two boys make a resolve? The people around us are often the people that get hurt the most. That is the challenge. So let's think solution. Then how do we get, because when you look at the Bible, the Bible, this is one of the reasons I love the Bible. The Bible is not just a collection of religious sayings. The Bible is not just a collection of, of poetry or inspirational reading. The Bible is full of real people just like you and me. And it's hard to go to any book in the Bible and not see conflict. This ought to make us feel okay, that, that it's just a normal part of life. When you look at the garden, the first couple in the Bible, they had an argument. When, when they stepped off the line, God showed up. What did Adam do? It's like, well, the wife you gave me, she's the one that blew it, and so he begins to blame her. Then they had a child, then they had two boys, Cain and Abel. How did that go? When you look at David and King Saul, a lot of conflict in David's family, a lot of conflict, even in the New Testament. The disciples had conflict with each other. The apostle Paul had a conflict with John Mark, a, a, a young guy in the ministry. So there's a lot of conflict in the Bible. It's not that there's not going to be conflict in our life. It's how do we elevate our thinking in those moments? Perhaps, again, you feel right now imprisoned to some conflict. How do you free yourself? Well, watch what happens with Jacob, after he had sent all, the, all of his family, everything uh, 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 ahead of him, watch what happens in Genesis 32 and verse 23. Genesis 32, verse 23. After he, Jacob, had sent them across, that means these two groups of family and workers and herds, after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. He stripped himself of everything. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Now, some of you are very familiar with this story, but some of you are like, well, that's weird. There was like a pro wrestler showed up. There are times in the Old Testament where Jesus is manifested. In other words, he comes and he begins to, to, to show himself. And the reason we know this is that because Jacob reveals to us that he has been in the presence of God. 
And as Jacob begins to wrestle and in and, and this scenario that all night long he's wrestling. It wasn't for five minutes. I want you to take note. But I want you to know that before Jacob worked it out with Esau, because Jacob had no idea. Jacob was freaked out at this point because he, here comes Esau. He's got 400 men with him. All he knows is that this is the plan to kill him. He's finally going to fulfill it. So before Jacob goes to work it out with Esau, he works it out with God. Conflict, we think conflict resolution happens between two people. It happens with God first because every movement that we have that's healthy in our spiritual life starts and ends with God. In other words, I need to get my heart recalibrate it with God. God, why am I thinking these thoughts? Why am I wasting this time? Why am I throwing other relationships under the boat, under the bus? Why am I doing this thing? God, help me work it out. And it doesn't typically happen, especially the deeper the conflict, the deeper wrestling you'll have with God. This was a deep conflict. This was a conflict of 30 years. There had been a lot of film playing in Jacob's head. And something along the line, he, something happened where he says, I've got to send it all the way. I've got to spend time with God. You do, I do. And in that moment, because the conflict was so deep, he wrestled with God all night long. It's one of the challenges, quite frankly, that we have in our culture. Everything needs to be fast. It's the instant gratification culture. So someone may say, well, I prayed the prayer. I asked God, hey, can you remove this tension I've got in me and, and just didn't go away? The question would be, are you wrestling with God? Are you, are you in angst with God over this? this? Is exactly what happened. Well, watch what, what took place with, with Jacob in Genesis 32. In the very next verse, 25, when the man saw that he could not overpower Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. So his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. And Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now think about this. There had been a transition happening where Jacob, the grabber, who was grabbing all he could get, was now Jacob, the grabber of God. He said, I'm not letting you go, God, until this is resolved, until you bless me. And then and, and God turned around and said, Listen, Genesis 32, verse 27, the man said to him, hey, what is your name? He already knew it. What is your name? He said, Jacob. He answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but it will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men, and you've overcome. Let me remind you what the, the name Israel means. When you look at the last two letters, El is the word for God, like Elohim. Israel, it means wrestling, contending with God. He contended with God in the best way. I'm reminded when Paul says, I press on to take hold for that which Christ took hold of me. Paul was a grabber. He was grabbing on to God, and that was the secret. So watch this. After the sun had risen, after God, uh, Jacob had wrestled with God, and God had touched his hip, and he had wounded him. He had wounded his ego. He had wounded his pride. He had wounded God. It is okay. 
for God to wound our inner self because it's sometimes the only thing that gets us off the high horse when we're looking down on someone else in conflict. Watch Genesis 32 and verse 31. The sun rose above Jacob as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Now, I just want you to picture this as we close. These two boys have been in conflict. They come to meet. The tension must have been high. The, 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 the heartbeat, the heart rate of Jacob must have been skyrocketing in that point. He thought he might be losing his life. He had sent gifts ahead to kind of placate Esau. And when they came together, Esau must have looked at a distance, maybe 50 yards, maybe 100 yards, and here comes his brother Jacob. And Jacob is limping. Jacob is not in a place of power. If you saw a soldier coming at you and he was limping, and my guess was it wasn't just a, a little limp, it was a, a, a big limp, it was a crippling limp, it was a limp that, that did not allow him to have full strength. You see, God took his strength. If you, if you know anything about martial arts, the way you stand is the, your fortitude, and if you lose that, that weakness, you've lost your strength. You see, we, got, we come to God and say, I think I'm so strong, and I, I think I'm so right, and my opinion is so right, and God said, would you allow me to wound that? Would you allow me to take that from you? Would you allow me to reduce that? Because you're thinking too small. You see, God said to Jacob, you're Israel. You're going to be named Israel. I'm naming the entire nation that will be the focus of my attention. This is how, this is the bigger picture that, that Jacob uh, had no idea that he was missing out on. So these two boys come together. And what we don't know in the story, we're not told in the Bible, but apparently Esau had had a similar connection with God. How do I know that? Well, 20 years before, he wanted to kill his brother Jacob. And he came that day to reconcile. He came that day with grace. And the only way that Jacob did it was because God wounded his ego. God reduced his ego. And the only way that Esau, when you put it together, the only way that Esau, somewhere along the line, somewhere in those 20 years, Esau had a similar experience with God where God said, you got to get over it. Don't live your life in tension. Don't live your life in conflict. And go make up with your brother. And when they came together, it was a beautiful moment, not just to those guys, not just to the family that was watching, not just mom and dad back home, but it was beautiful in the sight of God. You know why? Not just because two people are getting along, but because now we can get on with the business of God. I wonder today if this hits home because God customizes his word to all of us I wonder, if there, I wonder if you say, man, I'm wasting some time here. I've got I've to pick up the phone. I've got to send a text. I've got to do something. I've got to break the ice. Now, I'm not saying to every relationship that doesn't exist anymore. And again, as I explained to be, at the beginning, if you know, maybe a relationship has faded, that happens. I'm talking about a relationship where you're just in angst over every day. Maybe it's time to quit wasting time. Maybe, you, it, maybe you're in prison to your thoughts. You're so angry with a person or so upset. 
maybe it's time to say, God, I'm going to wrestle with you until you free me of this mental anguish. And finally, maybe you're just, maybe you're missing out on the purposes of God because of some small picture conflict. We're going to pray today. And I recognize that as I pray here at the, at the end of our time together that it's going to be a short prayer. This is not the substitute for you wrestling with God, but what it is, is an opportunity to begin. It's an opportunity to start the conversation with God so that he sees your willingness to, like Jacob and Esau, to go in the right direction, to move back to the purposes of God. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the power of your Spirit, God, is mysterious. The power of your Spirit, God, can do things that we cannot do. And yet, Father, we try on our own. We try to work out things on our own. And sometimes, God, we can resolve small things. But we can't resolve the things that are so significant, Father, without you. We, we just can't. So I pray today for those that you have customized this word from the Bible, from your heart, from your voice to their ear, to their heart. There will be no convincing necessary, especially, God, when you illuminate, you accentuate things in our inner life. So I pray, God, right now for those who are in the middle of a civil war inside of themselves because of conflict, a raging conflict, a mild conflict, whatever that might be. And the sense of wasting time and wasting mental space and even wasting other relationships surfaces right now. Father, I pray for those that will say yes to you, that will say, yes, God, that's me, honestly. And yes, God, I want to turn from a parched place, a dry place, and turn back to the promised land, the purpose for which you have put me on this planet. I'm done, God, with this being in the way. I'm done, God, with this, this tension intercepting what you have for me. And I want to measure, God, your purposes over the small picture of my purposes. So, Father, here I am, ready to make the first step in that journey only through the power of Christ. God, today we also pray for those who are tuning in, who you have led, they may not even know it, you've led to listen today, to open up, and maybe for the first time, they're open and willing to hear you in a new and fresh way. And perhaps this, there's a conflict, not with another person, but a conflict, a separation with you. And perhaps today would be this moment, this intersection right here, right now, where they would consider you to know that they are in need of you. And maybe as you're listening during this time of prayer, maybe in your home, your apartment, your car, wherever you are, listen carefully. God loves you. God wants you. 
God pursues you every day. You may not know it, see it, hear it, feel it, but God pursues you. I'm convinced of that. The Bible tells us that, and that has been my experience and the experience of many followers of Christ. God loves you. He pursues you. In fact, he pursued you so much, recognizing that your brokenness, my brokenness, our brokenness, our faults, our sins separates us from God. In order to bring this separation, put this separation away, he loved you so much that he came. Jesus came to this earth and he laid himself down on a cross to absorb your sins, to, to bridge the gap between you and God. Now, this is what God has done. This is what you are asked to do. Would you come? God would ask you, would you come to me empty-handed? No good works, no bad works. Just come as you are. It's not too bad for God and you're not too, too good for God. Trust me. You come as yourself with your hands open and say, God, I want you in my life. And today, God, it will not be my religion. It will not be my good behavior. It will not be any ritual. It will not be getting it right and saying it right. I want Christ and accept what Christ has done for me on the cross. Would you pray sincerely in your heart, God, I'm a sinner, I'm broken, I've got mistakes, and I want Christ in my life. I take my life, I turn it around. You can have my whole life, God, not just part of it. You can have my whole life because that's how bad I want you in my life. Is that your prayer right now? God has waited for this conversation all your life. Won't you come to him? Won't you speak to him? Won't you be honest? Why not? God already knows your heart. Father, thank you for resolving the greatest conflict in the human race between us and you, between imperfect and perfect, between unholy and holy. Just like Jacob, you took the step. You took the step to earth, beloved. God, how great you are. We sang and worshiped early. What a beautiful name, the name of Jesus. And this is the name we pray these things in. Amen. Again, we're so grateful that you joined us today. And uh, we will continue to uh, provide online services. And uh, as Eric said earlier, we'll, we'll follow the, the, uh, the, uh, the ordinances that are out, but working on a plan. So we look forward to seeing you soon. But until then, let's continue to pray. Let's continue to be on mission. Let's be, continue to be in big picture thinking, knowing that God is in control. God bless you guys. I hope to see you soon.